0: Hey, what's going on, Warrior? It is Jeff here from WarriorLife.com and the Warrior Life Academy, and welcome to podcast episode number 449. So you, you know, you think you know yourself, and then someone throws a zinger at you that makes you question who you really are. You know, like like a nuclear EMP blast that takes out our power grid and sends us all back to the dark ages. What will your neighbors be like during those desperate times? More importantly, what will you be like? How will you change? And do you have what it takes to lead your family, and maybe even others, to staying safe when it's an all-out fight for food, water, and other resources that everyone needs to survive after a collapse-level event? You may not be the person that you think you are, or who you will become in a cataclysmic event that causes a collapse of our infrastructure. In this week's show, you're going to take a journey into the nether reaches of your own mind and your primitive instincts by asking yourself some hard questions based on the realities of what you'll see outside your front door when life as we know it changes overnight. And hey, don't worry, we got your six with this week's show notes all covered on our one-page cheat sheet that you can grab absolutely free in the Loot Locker section of our website. All you have to do is go to warriorlife.com loot and jump in there for this and a whole bunch of other training tools waiting for you right now. And now, let's talk tactics.
1: Tactical Firearms Training, Urban Survival, Close Quarters Combat, Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast.
0: All right. Hey there, Warrior. Listen, if I asked you to describe your personality, how would you answer me? Are you fun-loving, carefree, hardworking? Maybe you're somebody who's loyal and always willing to help your friends and family wherever you're needed. So I'm pretty sure that probably all of you listening would identify with those qualities, right? Right. Now, if I asked you to describe yourself a week after our country's infrastructure had been devastated by a collapse-triggering event, something like a long-term grid-down blackout from an EMP or a solar flare, or a global financial crash, or any other catastrophic event where the feces hits the oscillating cooling device, as we like to say, and life and society as we know it literally changes almost overnight, how would you describe your personality then? Or how about a month after? Or a year after? Now, these are harder questions to answer than you may think. And this week's show will help you to search for those answers from a very practical perspective so that you can determine your SHTF personality and know how it will impact your prepping plans going forward. Hey there, Warriors. Jeff Anderson here from WarriorLife.com, the Warrior Life Academy. And with me today is a special guest who has a unique insider perspective in the areas that we're going to be talking about. And I'm super excited to have him here. Jeffrey Olson. Jeff, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me here. It's a pleasure. I'm super excited. I've uh, I've been looking forward to this ever since I, I got your book, and I'm gonna. I think we're gonna go into that much much deeper here in the in the in the talk, but. Um, Uh, But this is Jeff's first time on the show, so if you're not familiar with his work, Jeff is a former Air Force law enforcement specialist with experience in counterterrorism operations, force protection, and emergency medical services. Now, following his military service, Jeff continued to support Operation Iraqi Freedom and the war effort as a security contractor overseas and even documented his lessons learned and his tricks of the trade in a how-to guide on living and thriving as an overseas contractor. Now as a lifelong observer of human social signals, especially those of street criminals, religious cult leaders, tribal communities in the remote areas of the war zones that he operated in, and even dirty, unscrupulous contractors that he would had contact with, Jeff returned from the Middle East with a new understanding of how people from all walks of life adapt to changing environments in desperate times and how they interact with one another. Now armed with this knowledge, Jeff became a primitive primitive technology consultant for the development of the Discovery Channel show, Dude, You're Screwed, and more importantly for our discussion today authored the book, The SHTF Art of War, uh, which is a strategic guide for preparing citizens to survive in a long term grid down environment, an environment that could be filled with government FEMA camps and even apocalyptic criminal warlords. So for more information on Jeff and his work, please make sure that you check him out on his website at shtfartofwar.org. Jeff, I, I got this book and I got to tell you, I had, I just, as I started reading, I thought, originally I thought that the book was, um, okay, here we go. Another fantasy prepper out there putting about how to, how to keep zombies from chewing your eyeballs out of your head. Um, I was sucked in from the very beginning of it and from my own experience in, in, around different types of people if you will like different uh, personalities and and being in the in the prepping business for so long and being a veteran in combat zones and everything like it's i immediately sense that there was so much practicality to this and there was a there was a real a real lot of there was a lot of lessons here for people that i think are really they don't have their eyes open i don't think necessarily about what to expect from these sorts of things. So I'm I'm really looking forward to digging into this. And listen, everybody, before I get started, um, it's very rare that I just say to everybody, like, don't even think about it. Just just get get this book. Um, this is one of those times where I say, just just get this book. It is a um, it's a real unique insight, and I, I think it belongs in every. If it's a short read. Yeah. Super simple to read, but it's, it has so much insight to it. And I, th- I think you're going to agree with me here once you, once you go in here. But, Jeff, let's go ahead and – like, I think this is a – it's a weird question to ask people, right? Like, what's your SHTF personality versus, like, your regular personality? So why is there a difference between these two, these two types of questions and what conditions would make someone be different than what they think their personality might be right now?
1: That's, that's a great question. Uh, I don't think we know our disaster personality. We might have a really good idea, and it's something we think about. But the truth of the matter is we're not fighting for our lives every day. We're not having the worst day of our lives every day. And I think the people out there who actually have a pretty good glimpse into what their uh, disaster or SHTF personality would be are going to be our first responders um, an emergency room nurse or an emergency room crew, uh, law enforcement, of course, and, uh, and most of our military have been in a combat zone. And interesting enough, the actual first responders. I don't consider what we technically call first responders first responders. I'm one of them. I consider myself a second responder. The first responders are the people who are actually experience, experiencing the disaster or the emergency at the time.
0: Yeah, I, you also bring up a lot of the, I mean, I think the conditions change, right? As you, um, like, I think most people think that they know what things are going to be like, but you've, you've lived in areas around the world where we didn't have the luxuries that we have here. Um, people are more adapted. They're more, they've assimilated to those lifestyles. That is their lifestyle. And I think you rightfully point out in the book of just, the lifestyle that we have now and the, the personalities basically are, are formed from our lifestyle, like what we grow up in, right? Like I think, Correct. You, and you, you bring it up in so many different ways and so many different people and how they grow up even within our country in under normal conditions. So what are some of those things that you think will maybe change people's perspective or their personality that they would see in some sort of an SHTF collapse type event?
1: I think the the number one thing is hunger. Um, you know, we're in a first world country and I've, you know, through my travels, I've witnessed people who are just happy to have sandals or shoes on their feet, you know, and I count how many pairs of boots I have or how many pairs of shoes I have. But the number one thing is, um, is hunger. Uh, most of us in first world countries, myself included, um, we rarely go more than one day without food, you know, unless you're having some kind of a medical procedure where they ask you to fast for 12 hours. Or 24 most of us we haven't gone without food for for 24 hours and I think uh, we just haven't experienced that there was a study done uh, this is actually called the Minnesota starvation the great Minnesota starvation experience our experiment done in 1944 and they actually had to shut the experiment down after a short period of time uh, the people who were in that experiment uh, experiment they were uh, They were volunteers. They knew the experiment would end. They knew that they were getting two meals a day at half their caloric intake. But what they found was people's uh, psychology changed dramatically. They were having thoughts of cannibalism. Uh, They were angry all the time. And there was actually some acts of violence that took place during that experiment. So they never finished it. The idea of the experiment was to Find a way to, for lack of better uh, words, starve people to the point that they would be in a concentration camp, and then what efforts and remedies they could find out to help them recover. But they never did figure that out because they had shut down the experiment.
0: Well, it would be great to have the luxury of just shutting down that kind of uh, <laughs> those kind of conditions, right? I think that's right. what everybody, and I think that's what everybody would be hoping for during that time. Is this like when is this going to end? And and I think that's a really great example of how personalities can change because I'm sure nobody went into that experiment like, "Oh, I can't wait to do this, starve myself." And I think you even pointed out in the book it was only it wasn't really starving that like they were just no. brought down to like half calories or something. No, so, they,
1: right. Uh, yeah, see so they, yeah, so, they could see the chow hall. They knew where the knew where the food was, and they, they knew they were getting two meals a day. And still, uh, the psychological damage uh, from that experiment. Uh, some of the when they interviewed people afterwards, they said they never felt full again. They never were able to be satisfied with food. They never felt full enough. So that, that's, it's uh, that's extremely interesting. interesting. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So let's um, bring this to where people can really do a self analysis. Uh, we always tend to judge ourselves in in the current moment, like this is who I am now, but things can absolutely change after the fact. And I think we've both, we've both seen this in people, but. I think most people would like to see themselves as leaders and and know that they have to take charge, be able to keep their families safe. But if things do go tribal, meaning like if there's actually like people are going to come together, like because most people are not going to do well being alone in some sort of a, a post collapse environment. But if things go tribal, being a tribe leader is different than just being like your family's leader. So what have you identified as some of the common traits that these tribal leaders, like for lack of a better word, like warlords in these areas that you've been, where this becomes the lifestyle, like what are some of those common traits and characteristics that they have that that allow them to rise to the top as a leader?
1: Well, leaders are leaders are actually rare. You know, we I know we have uh leadership in all our organizations and throughout the country, but actual leadership is, is rare. Most of us are followers. We'd rather follow the crowd. You know, there's been experiments out there, the, the Milgram experiment, the ASH experiment, that show that most people just want to conform, comply, and follow. But the traits of a, a leader, like an, in these, an apocalyptic situation, number one, they're going to be fit. They're going to be strong because people follow strength. And the, re- the reason we follow strength is because we know that person will provide. Uh, a leader also will be pretty good at people management. They're gonna, they know they can't do it alone, so they're going to want people, uh, their captains, let's say, uh, to be of, of smart, sometimes even smarter than them. They're going to be able to identify intelligence in people, uh, strength in people, uh, especially people who have a, maybe a military background or have some kind of a, 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 a warfighter mindset. Uh, Because they're going to need to be protected. So that's one, I think that's two two of the traits. And the third trait is stress management. They're going to be able to handle stress because I I can't imagine what it's like trying to keep a a horde of people uh, fed. Uh, One of the things I think I would do would be to make sure that my top people, my top performers, had the best equipment and had the best food. Uh, to make sure that they kept performing and working for me. So the, the level of stress I don't think we can even imagine today what it would be like to keep a band of people together.
0: Well, and, and I think even people that are listening right now would identify with those, well, I can spot good leaders. like I'm a manager at work. I can do all these different things. But I think in a—I think one of the things that helps keep it all together these days is that we do still have laws. We do still have the rule of law out there. And there are consequences mm-hmm. to actions that, you don't have to impose as the warlord of your of your tribe and, and to for, you know to just kind of give some color to it, but in order to be able to do that with the lack of laws and lack of accountability out there from maybe from a government uh, from local law enforcement or anything like that, you might have to be the one dishing out that justice and I think that takes a different type of a personality like I think people can identify with those traits. what are some of the traits that you think would transform in people or? that would, like the somebody who is really going to end up sitting in that big chair, what are some of the negative traits I think that make that person uniquely qualified for
1: or would transform, somebody would have to transform into to be able
0: to lead that group?
1: That gets a little bit darker and I I do cover that in my book and it was uh, actually was kind of the basis my book is surrounded uh, that topic of the darker side of of human nature. Uh, That person would have to be extremely brutal and uh, quick to violence, and that would be the swift justice. In a, in a grid-down scenario where you don't have a rule of law, I think uh, there would be many challenges to the seat of authority. So the person that would have to take that chair and hold it will have to be very brutal and also be willing to witness probably acts of atrocities as well, and it might even have to turn a blind eye to that.
0: Yeah, I think we we've seen this a lot in in war zones also, and I think one of the the top things that people would have to deal with you, is hunger, right? Like people are going to people are going to get hungry, and if there's any sort of any sort of a food supply system going on, people are going to start stealing food. We've seen this in even in like not I won't say like FEMA camps, but like Red Cross areas. Like after a, a major right. disaster, when there's aren't, there aren't enough granola bars to go around, people will take. When they're hungry, they're going to steal. Hundred percent. And so, when are you know, if you're in charge now, it's not like you can go point the finger and say, "Hey, police officer, like this person's stealing food from me." There's going to have to be some sort of. You're going to have to create your own rule of law, I would imagine. And being able to hold on to that and do that without some sort of formal structure, that's going to take a unique personality to be able to do that. And, and I and I think and as especially when it comes to like what we're talking about with this topic is this transformation that happens, right? Like there's there's your personality and then there's the SHTF personality because you might have to do things or think things or lead things or follow things that you normally could never maybe even see yourself doing, but all of a sudden you're in an environment where you don't have those those bumpers on <laughs> the lanes anymore that, that kind of keep everybody
1: you know, doing the right thing, so to speak, you know? Correct. Yeah. In, in- To add on to that, and like in the third world countries and the places I've been, democracy is foreign. They're already living in in an environment where it's an SHTF uh, situation for them, where democracy and, and voting aren't the thing. So your average person in not a first world country, they just want to know who has the biggest stick. And if they say, okay, that person has the biggest stick, I do what they say, I follow them. My life gets pretty easy after that if I comply. Yeah. Yeah, that's
0: interesting. So let's let's take it from there. So, if being an apocalyptic warlord doesn't seem like the right path for somebody who's listening right now, um, that might likely naturally lead someone to to think that they'll either join a group for safety purposes. Like there's there's definitely safety in numbers, right? Absolutely. Um, and and not bother anyone so that they can be they can be left alone. Really, um, that's kind of like almost like some of your only choices there. Just I'm just going to hunker down. And hopefully just nobody will notice me and I'll just going kind to of do my own thing. I'll leave you alone. You leave me alone. It, it sounds a lot like prison, right? That's the way I always look at it is like, okay, <laughs> I'm new yeah. to prison. I've never been in this environment before. Now, what do I do? And we've had, we've had guests on the show that have talked about what it's actually like in prison. And this is very, very, very similar to that. So, so in your research, in your experience, what are the pros and cons of both of those options of, of either joining a group and not being the leader, but having, you know, just being being part of that mass that so you are protected and maybe there's some sort of supply chain there versus pro, pros and cons when it comes to just, hey, guys, I'm just going to just hunkering down in my home. I'm going to leave you alone. You leave me alone.
1: Um, can you talk about the pros and cons of both of those options? Sure. I always like this quote, and I, and I kind of attach it to it. And I, I can't remember who said it, but they said, uh, uh, you may not be interested in war, but when war comes, it's interested in you. And I don't really think you're going to have a choice to cho- join a group. Uh, like you said, you made the prison analogy. And I, I don't think there's no hunkering down. Uh, it, it, you can. Like you said, it, there's strength in numbers. But when the numbers show up at your doorstep and you have all the things and you don't have enough people, your choices are pretty limited, probably die or join. And if, if we're talking worst case scenario, every warlord's going to have to make the decision well, are you worth? Are you? Is your? Are you worth the food I'm going to have to give you? You know, mm. uh, the cons of uh, hunkering down. I and I go back to the group scenario. If if you're going to hunker down, bug in per se, you won't fare very well in my opinion. Uh, in this worst case scenario, on your own, you're going to need group. You're going to need at least your neighbors need to know who you are. Uh, and I do kind of think. We're moving, our society is kind of designed right now for people to be isolated and not join groups. Uh, You can maybe have a group online, uh, maybe a forum, uh, or maybe a group you get to with some kind of a hobby, but uh, your survival group or your neighbors or your prepping group, people just really don't have that. Uh, I think you'll have two choices in the beginning. I think the beginning will, if we want to talk about the the federal emergency management they're going to be slow to react. Uh, we could talk about that. Yeah, it's I'll, I'll dig into. Yeah. I definitely want to dig into that later. I'll yeah, not ju- so, jump ahead too far here.
0: Yeah, but but I think this is. Uh, they, I think this is so important because I, again, I think that most people will react that way, right? Like I'm just going to hunker down here. I'm just going to like we have whatever food. Even those people that are prepared. You know, we've we've done classes and workshops in our Warrior Life Academy for our members and we've we've talked about the practicality, like not the not the fantasy prepper survival team thing, but like, okay, well, let's look at what's really going to happen. And people start to think about I didn't realize that. Like, you know, all those people on my team are probably what if they do show up with their mother-in-law and everybody like all of a sudden we went from planning for this many people to, like there's all kinds of it just keeps going on down the list of what those realities are and so i think that there are going to be i think it's going to be a super challenge i think that, that is exactly the way it's going to pan out because people are still trying to get data right they're still trying to figure out right is this is just short term
1: what's going on i um, i could i could speak to that and actually i came up with yeah. that yeah uh, I actually kind of did it as kind of a, a fun exercise, and I created a, a, a refugee intake form for people that just show up at your house. Uh, and it listed your profession, any any medical, you know. I had to think about this: Are you, are you bringing any medical problems, any dietary problems, to the group? Uh, I'll tell you firsthand experience. And we, a lot of what we talk about, we can just look to recent history and see how how people have reacted just in the past three to four years. Uh, people will show up at your house. And uh, during the first, with the two-week lockdown that we had, I had people travel uh, across country and end up at my house here. So, and I I remember my wife and I, we have just this meager pantry. I I could be a better prepper, to be honest. Uh, We looked at our stash, and I said, we don't don't have enough. You know, it was really an eye-opener to me. And we normally stack up, and most people here prep in Minnesota because we deal with... Uh, severe winter storms and we can't get to the grocery store. And if you live remotely like I do, everywhere is an hour to 45 minutes away. So you just plan not to have to go anywhere and didn't have enough. I didn't have enough. Yeah, I heard from friends that
0: I hadn't heard from in years. Like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> but during the <laughs> lockdown is like, um, yeah, you know, let's... You take a very controversial approach in your book. Like I think those are two very big groups, but I think shortly after when people realize, okay, life has changed and hunkering down isn't going to be necessarily be an option. And maybe the, you know, joining, you know, shaving my head and getting a tattoo across my forehead is probably not going to be in my cards either. Right. Uh, there is still another option there. You take a very controversial approach in your book, and when you and I were talking, you said you've caught a lot of flack for this, which is I love because I, because I, that was the, the part that stood out the most for me, when, um, one of the things that stood out the most for me in the book was that practical perspective. and that was what I was afraid of because I've read so many different survival manuals out there that really I can tell people have just been watching The Walking Dead and they're just like they hmm. don't really understand what life is like in a collapsed environment and and you do take this controversial approach for people who can't see themselves playing prepper out there and decide to turn to the government's care so what do you think would be available for citizens to turn to and why would this be a good option for somebody and 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 for who
1: well we could look at katrina and and other disasters we've had uh there there are government response agencies and their, their whole world is dedicated to helping communities who are have suffered a hurricane or, or, or tornado or some other natural disaster. And that's where the majority of people are going to turn. And I can't say I won't turn away either. If you've lost everything and don't have anything, then that will, that's going to be your only option. Um, I think it's going to be your, your, your safest option to begin with uh, and, until you can get set up on your own. If most here's the, here's the real deal. Most people can't afford, excuse me, uh, to stack food, ammo, gun That stuff's expensive, and especially uh, some of the water filtration systems that you're going to need, and then power alone. If you don't have power, you can't really run anything, and most people, I think there's a big turn towards self-sufficiency, but most most people have to rely on the system that we have in place, and the system we have in place, you know, our government wants to continue being a government of, of the country, so they... Uh, the, what they fear the most is, is open open rebellion, where people just don't even care about it anymore. So they, they're going to want to ensure continuity. And you'll have elderly, you're going to have people with uh, uh, medical needs. Uh, that's going to be their only option. And I kind of, I, I come up with a saying, and it, it still sticks in my brain, uh, and I got a lot of flack for it. And I said, ask not what your FEMA camp can do for you, ask what your FEMA camp Uh, what you can do for your FEMA camp. Be the first guy there and ask, how can I help? And actually, when I entered this writing sphere and and published my book, the first thing that happened was I got, my book got put on a banned list on a a prepper Facebook group with like 7,000 members. Uh, That kind of shocked me because I was, the part of the book that I was uh, really kind of proud of was giving some information out to people to say, hey, these are some resources that are available to you, and this might be your your only option.
0: Yeah, I, I, I you know, early in my uh, <laughs> my prepping career, also and being out there, um, I I made the controversial statement a long time ago that I I love FEMA camps. Like I, I love FEMA camps because. Initially, it was all just fear porn like they're going to come if you voted Republican or if you own an AR-15 They're just going to like scoop you all up and they're just they already have the coffins all lined out And they're just going to put you in the ground. They're going to call off all the uh, the patriots out there and that just isn't a, pra- like that's the fear porn sort of uh, angle I think that most people do. Right. But what I look for is, look, there is going to be chaos. There is gonna be civil unrest. There is gonna be theft. It's gonna be like the Wild West all over again, at least for a short time. And so right. when that happens, they need a place to corral all these people. So yes, will there be detention camps? Will there be barbed wire? Will there be watchtowers? Will there be soldiers with, with rifles? Yes. Yeah. I- there absolutely will be and we'll need that i prefer that um, actually doesn't mean i want to be there no yeah <laughs> i don't want them out there like you know as my next door neighbors you know as i don't want them knocking on my door so yeah i i believe in camps. i believe in there being suspension pens or whatever they're whatever they're going to do there that's going to be needed i think oftentimes people the only input they have are our television shows that they watch where somehow magically like in like Last of Us now is is one thing, and you know Walking Dead. I don't know what happened to everybody. Like I know right. they. We say that in if it really is like a grid down situation, within a year, we'll lose ninety percent of the population. That's absolutely. You know, That's CIS frightening. said that and everything. Right, that is frightening. But all all of a sudden, you know, in these shows, there's like seven people that just seem to have like just half of a state all to themselves, <laughs> and and. Instead, I, th- I think we're looking at a much different scenario where there's going to there be people all around the place doing all kinds of things. And so, um, and like you said, I think there's, I think the silver bullet here is there's essentially four types of, of personalities in SHTF. You're either going to be a warlord, you're going to be part of a group of some kind that's going to try and create some safety in numbers and provide resources for those people that are within that group, whether it's warlord driven or whether it's your Your neighborhood watch group, whatever it is, like you're going to have to get together in numbers uh, or you're going to be a lone wolf and you're going to try and just navigate things on your own you let your imagination go with where that can go to or you're going to be a FEMA camp refugee and in which case you have to know how to survive that so I think those are the, the right. four areas that people really have to understand um, I think that the other thing I like about your book, and, I, and we, don't have, we don't have time to go into it in this one, but I know we're going to be doing a workshop for our Academy members also. But yes. you even give, like, how do you survive under each one of those conditions? Like, Correct. If, you, if you're going to be a warlord, what are you going to have to do? If you're going to be a, a, a member of a group out there? what do you have to do? Like, what are the things that you need to, to think about? And then also, if you are going to go into FEMA camp, I think this is what you really caught hell for. Like, here's how to survive FEMA. Here's yeah, how to be helpful in FEMA. And how dare you, how dare you, Jeff? It's like, <laughs> but uh, but those are very, pr- but that's what I love. It's very practical. I think it was very, um, it was an eye opener to the, our members when we did a workshop on even like evacuations and what your options are. I think after after Hurricane Katrina and all, everything we saw at the Superdome in New Orleans, the the fear porn out there was just like never go to a fema camp well for some people it is i mean first of all we're not talking doomsday in most cases but Correct. in these types of situations there there are people that aren't going to have their underground bunker in the middle of the wilderness that they're going to take their monster truck out to and they're not going to like that might be their only option and so they do need to know how do you navigate in there and i think your your book fills in a really i think a needed gap in the survival repertoire that's out there as far as like books and and training that's out there um i think it's great uh everybody like i said just just go get the book. It's SHTF, Art of War. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, you can get over at Jeff's, uh, Jeff's website. <laughs> Jeff, is there anything that we haven't covered today that, that you think we should when people are trying to determine? Now, I think, that, I think what I'd like to do now is really, like, with everything that we have talked about, what would you suggest as the next steps for somebody based upon, like, these different personality types and how, how they would fit these factors into their current preparedness planning? like What would be your advice then? What should they do with this information and maybe a cold hard look in the mirror about what they might have to expect and what, who they might have to be? And how does this affect their preparedness planning?
1: That, that's a good question and I, I do have an answer. Most of us aren't living the worst day, thank God most of us aren't living the worst days of our life every day. So we don't know what our disaster personality is. And the tricky thing about disaster personality, based on some research, your disaster personality isn't the same for every disaster. I ask people, go ahead, and I strongly recommend you do this, Uh, do a ride along with an ambulance service. You can do it. Uh, You can can sign up, sign a waiver, and then they'll give you a little rundown on things. So that way you're, you're putting yourself closer to what the world looks like During an SHTF situation, you might not be having the worst day of your life, but now you're going to be exposed and actually have a front row seat to people who are having the worst day of their life. And during your ride along, and if you go to one of these chaotic events, look at the people who are around the event, um, the bystanders, the other family members, that, and and if you can look into their eye and, and see what's going on during their worst day of their life, you're probably get a pretty good understanding of how you're going to react during a shtf situation i don't i think you could ride along with law enforcement fine but i think your your ambulance crews out there ride along with them
0: that's uh that's interesting i've never heard anybody offer that before and i'm always looking for realistic survival tricks that somebody can do like little little projects or something that they can do that give them a little bit of an insight into the practicality of something. Um, I never thought about a ride along like with an ambulance as being one of those things, but that's a, uh, and that's something that anybody should be able to do or try to coordinate with their local emergency uh, medical services.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it can be done. I know, I know of services that do provide, I can't speak to every service in the nation, but uh, call around, uh, Real, I work rural EMS, and that's uh, quite challenging. It's got its different challenges than a metro ambulance service. But I don't, I don't think it matters which one you go to. Um, you'll put yourself as close to an SHTF situation as possible is, is by experiencing other people uh, or watching other people experience theirs.
0: Yeah, and I think also for people to take actually take a good hard look at themselves in the mirror and think about the reality of those different, those personality types, because it does affect your plans. If you're planning on, well, let's put it this way. If you don't have a mutual aid group, a survival team, whatever you want to call it, if you don't have a plan right now for being part of a group, then you might just be part of the group that forms that nobody's prepared at all. Correct. And so if if that's you, if you haven't, if you're not part of a group right now, then you know, you can start checking off these different personality types. Like you're hunkering down is not going to be an option for you to be a lone wolf, nor is it going to be part of a winning plan for just like the neighbors that are out in the road, like all looking around at each other. Like, what do we do? Probably not your best, your best group either. So then you have to really decide, are you going to be a leader, but then do you, Do you have what it takes? Can you get brutal? Can you get to the point where you have to dish out justice, um, face atrocities that you might not want to look at, but you have to deal with? If that's not for you, if you don't have the stomach for that, maybe you're not a leader. Check that off. And then, okay, so what are you left with here? Now you're either going to join a group like that, which you're still going to have a lot of the same issues and problems, but at least you have some safety and security there within that group. Or... Are you going to go knocking on the door down at the FEMA camp and looking to get in? So I think that if your plans are currently based upon one of those and you look at your personality now under these extreme conditions and you realize that maybe that's not going to be your disaster personality, um, then maybe you should change your plans. Uh, Maybe that should guide what you do going forward. So I think it's a very, like, uh, Jeff, I, I think you, I love the practicality that you bring into the book. Again, everybody, the SHTF Art of War, get it and really go through it and think about how they all apply, how these things apply to you. And there are a lot of how-tos in there as well, like what to do based upon that stuff. So, uh, Jeff, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time on, on this week's show. And uh, for everybody, listen, go out and get it at shtfartofwar.org. And until our next show, this is Jeff Anderson saying, live like a warrior.
1: You've been listening to the Warrior Life Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us spread the mission of self-reliance and self-protection when you rate us. And leave us a comment wherever you enjoy these podcasts. And don't forget to check out our posts and videos on our social media channels. You'll see a full directory when you visit our website at www.warriorlife.com. We'll see you next time. This has been the Warrior Life Podcast. Prepare.
0: Train. Survive.